on this DMV Sports Roundtable, who will decide which Redskins quarterback gets the starting job? Will it be football people like Coach Jay Gruden, or will it be owner Dan Snyder and right-hand man Bruce Allen? Skins legend and senior VP of player personnel Doug Williams says it's going to be a group effort, and yes, that means Dan and Bruce will be a part of it. I'm Dimitri Sotis with two of our three regular podcast guys here, Jamal Bowens, the security guard who devotes his ample brain power to sports. And in a few minutes, our gambling guru, Chris Cheon, will be in. But we start out on Skype with Kareem Copeland, who covers the Redskins for the Washington Post. Doug Williams, recent comments that Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen will be in on the, the yeah. QB decision. Uh, in a way, the man's speaking the truth, isn't he? But from a PR perspective, if you're with the Redskins, maybe he shouldn't have said that. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, the, the comments aren't necessarily a surprise. But the first thing I thought was, man, that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and even think, you know, Kevin O'Connell, he's going to have um, a say in it also. So that's a that's a lot of guys um, all with opinions. And, and of course you do when you're going to make that type of decision. You know, you try to get as much um, feedback as possible. But um, but at the same time, you know, you, you would think um, those kind of or typically those type of personnel decisions are left up to the head coach and it doesn't seem like Jay necessarily has it from those comments it didn't seem like hey if Jay has an opposing view to to everyone else that his word's going to be final so so that's interesting it's something to watch again you you know um you expect that especially you know owners get involved when you're talking about first round quarterbacks so that's not necessarily um a shock or a surprise uh it's just it's kind of um you, j- you usually don't hear it publicized so much and again it's it, it, it just seems a, like um, a strange position for Gruden to be in, um, especially going into a year where, you know, he you know, he's even admitted that he needs to have a good year to um, be around for 2020. So um, it, it, it's kind of an interesting scenario that they're in. And I've been thinking about that um, for quite some time, ever since um, they drafted a quarterback. And even before then, the question is, what's best for Dwayne and what's best for the future of the team might not necessarily be what's best for Jay in 2019. So it, it, there's there's a lot of stuff that kind of goes into that, but he needs to win now. Um, and everybody else, on you know, Landon Collins didn't come there. I think Jay said that Landon Collins didn't come here, um, you know, to, to look towards 2020. You know, there's, right. there's veterans on this team who are, who are looking to win now. So they've got to figure out what's the best way to try to win now and try to get Dwayne ready um, to be the guy. And I don't know if that's um, an immediate kind of thing or I don't know if that's a halfway throughout the season kind of thing. Um, Everybody wants to uh, say the old Patrick Mahomes thing, but that doesn't happen often these days anymore. Number one, where a guy um, with that kind of talent gets a whole year to sit. And number two, you often don't have a quarterback in front of that guy who's holding things down like Alex Smith was. So that was kind of a rare kind of position that they're in. So I think it's kind of hard to kind of compare that to what the Redskins are doing. But those are the things they got to figure out, and I'm not sure how it gets shaken out. Dimitri, I'm glad you brought that up because coming into the studio, I had just uh, read those comments and and started to uh, read a little bit of J.P. Finley's article Mm -hmm. uh, on this. And I I agree with Kareem completely that this should be 
it's a given that uh, ownership does have a stake in this, especially when it's a young franchise, possibly franchise-changing quarterback. But I, with Kareem, I agree that it should be kind of in-house. It doesn't necessarily need to, we don't need to know that uh, <laughs> it, it goes on, but it, it, it's something that probably doesn't need to be for public consumption. So in that respect, when I look at it, in a, in a competition where you have Colt McCoy, let's say he's healthy at some point, who is a, a, a darling and a favorite of Jay Gruden, who, like Kareem said, needs to win now, Not really, doesn't really have a, a huge, a big window to look towards the future. You have Case Keenum, who was a veteran, uh, not such a great season last year, but took Minnesota one game away from the, uh, from the Super Bowl. And you have Haskins. I would think, personally, in that open competition, whether it's preseason, uh, what you see during training camp, between these three, I would like Jay, uh, O'Connell, Kavanaugh, even Callahan, the coaching staff to make the decision. Not necessarily, maybe Doug Williams because he played a position, but not necessarily Dan and Bruce. It would make me feel better if it came from the, the coaching staff. Because to me, ultimately, that's who needs to make the decision. And uh, to stir the pot even further, we'll uh, tip our cap to a competitor here in town, 106.7 The Fan. Joe Theismann just happened to call in on their Saturday <laughs> right. morning show last weekend. And he you know, he wasn't a booked guest. He was listening and called in, felt strongly enough to say, Haskins really needs to sit out this, this first year. And I'm trying to figure out with as much access as Joe Theismann has to Redskins Park. He just walks in the door, goes right into the owner's right. office. What does Theismann know that the rest of us, Kareem, are... Uh, and I'm Kareem. You, you, you're there. You're, you know, one of the beat reporters. So I don't mean to suggest you don't have access. But uh, the the point is, what does Theismann know that the rest of us don't? Listen, I can't walk into Dan's office. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so Joe's definitely got some access that we don't have. You know, it, I'm I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna try to sugarcoat that or or, or play something else up um, that isn't true. Uh, listen, I mean, really, it's it's gonna come down to between the ears and how how quickly Dwayne can pick up all that kind of stuff stuff it's gonna be mental for him like right now you can see already that he's the most physically blessed quarterback on this roster there's no question about that you know he's got he's got the arm and 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 all and the accuracy and all that kind of stuff from a physical standpoint he's the guy there's no question about that but there's so much more that goes into playing quarterback at the nfl level that um that that's what's going to come down to the decision. And again, you know, that's what you pay your coaches for. You pay your coaches to make those type of decisions to coach up the team and make the decision of who plays um, or that's how it's supposed to work. I guess it doesn't always ideally work out that way, but you know, your front office guys, they're in charge of building the team. They're supposed to give the coaches, the players, the tools to do what they do. And then once they get those 53 or um, a little bit more for training camp, um, you know, let those guys and and the front office, you know, will also, you know, they handle getting down to that 53. But when it comes down to the decision of who's actually going to be step out on that field, it's got to be somebody that the coaches trust and believe in and, and, and have faith that they can execute what they want to call or else, um, or else what are we doing here? So it's, it, it's a, t- it's a tough thing. I mean, again, you know, you're asking um, Dwayne to do things that he just hasn't done before, but from everything I've heard and I've talked to guys around the big, 
10 and everybody says he's a quick learner he says all the right things he seems like a bright kid that we've when we've talked to him so it's just a matter of how fast can he pick up all those little intricacies and and when he sees something for the first time how does he react to it and and, and come either you know does does it get him that first time and then he you know does he pick it up right away and doesn't and doesn't make that mistake a second time that's going to be the thing that Colton and um Case have there there's just going to be things that they've seen from defenses that, that that Haskins has never seen. There's going to be things that opposing coaches throw at Haskins to confuse him that won't have the same effect with a veteran quarterback. And so that that's 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 the scales we're balancing here. You know, do you do you, do you, do you rather go with the upside of a guy who's got a cannon arm and who can just physically make some plays that the other two can't? Or and I, I don't want to say it's calling it playing it's safe but it, it, it it's or or do you want a guy who just kind of understands the nfl and what defenses are trying to do to them a little better than them you know they've those guys have got years in the system and they understand you know Dwayne's just right now just trying to learn the offense and what he's supposed to do and how this thing is supposed to work you know i i don't know um and i know it all kind of goes in together but i don't know how far along right now he's into what opposing teams are going to try to do to him or even if he starts early uh um, you know, after they get a little bit of tape on them, the first couple games, do they try to do certain? Do they pick up certain tendencies and try to adjust to them in that way? And then he's got to pick that up. Like all that stuff is is the mental difficulties of playing quarterback in the NFL, and that's the question. That'll be the deciding point of how comfortable. Well, if <laughs> if it was up to whoever ends up making the decision, whether it's a group or a single person, those are the things that they're going to weigh. Going to have to weigh is the risk reward factor of having a guy who um, can do those physical type things but also going to make mental mistakes is the, what's the, what's the balance between that and a guy who may not be able to make all those same throws but at the same time he might not put your team in a bad spot from just an experience standpoint so it, it's it's tough I'm not sure which way it's gonna go I mean they've got a they've got a long way to go um, in training camp and but at the same time, there's just going to be things that um, I don't care how well he progresses um, as we get to camp in July. There's just going to be things that come up during the season, especially early in the season that he hasn't seen before. Is that risk worth the reward of his um blessed athletic abilities. Yeah, well, you know, on our podcast, we kind of bring together fans and reporters. That's kind of our, our gimmick or our slogan. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know as, as reporters whether we can even weigh in on this, but should we even be a little scared to have Haskins go out there at first? I mean, as a fan, I would be a, a little wary, maybe not scared. but I, I don't think so. I think, you know what, it's going to come down to Theismann can say what he wants to say right and have his opinion and we can have our opinions and everybody can weigh in from now until uh, training camp and preseason but it's got to be done on the field he's the, the way he's going to separate himself from both Colton Case <laughs> is that he's going to have to play you know everything Kareem said is 100% he is he's going to have a learning curve but he's going to have that whether he starts this season or whether he sits a year and he plays next season 
mental reps are good only up until a certain point. You have to get out there with the live bullets, and then you that, that's where you're going to see who you have. So it's going to be in the preseason where he's going to have his best chance to show his athletic ability to be able to pick up the offense, read defenses, read coverages, and show that he can outplay those two veterans when they hit the field with live bullets are, are, are going. The thing is this. We have looked at, at Jay's track record, especially when it comes to Cousins and other quarterbacks. He's a little iffy, if not uh, just totally random with how many snaps he gives his quarterbacks in the uh, in the preseason. He could put them in bubble wrap. But now you've got a three-horse race at if everyone's healthy, given in the preseason. You've got to kind of take the wheels off if, you, if you're Jay. You can't, if you're trying to figure out who can really play and who's going to stay healthy, who picks it up, all three have to get quality snaps in the preseason. Everyone has to be shown with, with the ones. And a series of two might just not do it. You might have to have a quarter, a quarter, and, and, and you know another quarter for another guy in the, in the second or third game. Everyone's going to have to play. That's going to be Dwayne's best shot because unless you have a joint practice, you can't really tell because between the ears – He's at a detriment to the other two. In a training camp, it's his first one. Those guys have been through this time over time again, and they're going to look better in a practice setting. If you want to see what Dwayne can do, take the training wheels off in preseason. No, you don't want to get them hurt. But if you're trying to decide between three people and practice reps and training camp just might not give you the full picture, preseason where you got to do it. All right, one of our no. colleagues, uh, Chris Chion, has just stepped in. I didn't mean to cut you off, Kareem. Uh, I just wanted Chris <laughs> no, to you're all good. Have, have a quick save because you just walked into the studio. What's up, fellas? How you doing? <laughs> all right. Are you for throwing Haskins right in? No. No doubt Keenum starts the first two games against Philadelphia and Dallas. Chicago, prime time. Keenum starts struggling. This could be a franchise that I think says we're under you know scrutiny of the entire country. We're going to put Haskins in and not embarrass ourselves. So kind of reminiscent of like last year, if like an Alex Smith type situation in New Orleans happens with mm-hmm. Keenum against the Bears, that's where you could see Haskins coming in with the Giants as week four as the thought that I think that he will be the eventual starter and starter the rest of the way. Because there's no, yeah, there's t- no, there's it's, no, there's it's tough to throw him into the wolves in the, at the beginning of that schedule. I mean, no. it's a yeah. tough schedule to kind of start from day one. So I, I completely understand it. And you, it was funny. You mentioned JP. I saw him. He wrote earlier. Earlier, that hey, if you believe in them, um, don't worry about the schedule. The schedule is going to be tough anyways. Which I, I understand that 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 thought process also. But man, you better you better be ready at that point. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna throw them to the wolves from day one, uh, especially with this schedule. You know, this isn't last year where you were starting with Arizona and then you had a, a struggling a Colts team that hadn't um, quite found you know that that weren't where they were at the end of the season you know there were mm-hmm. there was a softer be- start to last year than there will be this year mm-hmm. so that that definitely that definitely plays a huge role and kind of going a little bit backwards just to um to the preseason and how they split those snaps i'm i think we should all be uh, eager to see how that works out because there's a lot of different ways to do it because you know how about you've got three guys right so you could you could split them up and say okay you're going to get the first half of this game you're going to get the first half of this game you're going to get the first half of this game you could split it up by quarters you you could there there's a lot of different ways you could approach it because it, it would be kind of tough for you know just to get um you want to give guys 
a chance to prove themselves and a, having the chance to prove yourself, you need to be able to get into a little bit of a flow of the game, right. you know, like two, three series and then it's over. You know, that's that's not going to be a whole lot of flow to prove yourself. So th- that's going to be a tough decision on how they decide simply to approach how they split up those snaps to give everybody a fair shot of, hey, you know, you didn't have a good two first series and hey, we decided it's it's so and so was supposed to come in in series number three and so that's going to be interesting just how they decide to approach that because there's there's a lot of different philosophies and a lot of different ways you could do that and let's not underestimate how much the offensive line plays into who steps out there if you do not have Trent Williams at the left tackle please keep Haskins on the bench I don't want him out there at all if Trent is not manning that left side and if that offensive line is in flux at all okay go with one of the two vets but if, if everything is as we hope it's going to be and Trent is there and let's say Flowers or Wes Martin, whoever, uh, wins that left guard spot with Rulli A. Scherf and Morgan Moses. Now and with that running game behind him if everyone's healthy, I feel a little I feel more confident with Haskins. But if anything is iffy or sketchy about that offensive line at all, I am all for starting Case or Colt in that situation. I do not want to put him, and like you guys mentioned, those first five weeks, given even maybe take out the Giants, but it's a gauntlet of playoff teams that you're dealing with. And you do not want to trot out your possible franchise-changing quarterback with a less than anything less than healthy offensive line. If you're going to do that, let one of the, the vets take it because – They've seen it, done it. You don't want to throw him into that fire, not with his full complement of line. So this was part of the actually part of a conversation I recently had. So and and you got to think, you know, these guys have been with with the injury history around here. You know, you almost got to like plan for injuries. Right. I mean, everybody in the NFL has got to plan for injuries, but you know, it's it's More taking so a real toll yeah, like on this, this <laughs> franchise and especially last year on that offensive line. So say you decide to wait on Haskins. Say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna wait a couple weeks, get to week four or five or whatever that is before um, before you feel comfortable to throw them in there but at the same time the offensive line might be at their healthiest in week one in those early weeks by the time you get to week four through six where you finally decide hey maybe we're ready for haskins at that point hey you might have a guy a couple guys banged up on the offensive line and okay so say you got a couple guys banged up it's the same thing that you just said right now okay do you trust sending him in there in week five or week six with a banged up offensive line so that's that's and i know you can't that that's the thing that coaches don't like to think about or plan or you know hey you can't you can't anticipate injuries you got to go with what you've got that particular week but that's still something that 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 bounced into my head. If you wait about mid-season, that's when guys are starting to get banged up and things like that. And so what if you don't have a healthy line, but you do believe it's time to go to Haskins? So that's 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 another, um, you know, another dart to throw at the dartboard of right. trying to figure out how all of this is going to shake out. So many uh, threads to pull on. I did want to uh, work in what you've been writing about most recently. Uh, is Josh Doxson finally going to show something this year? And Trey Quinn and the whole receiver core that you've been looking at well it's it's <laughs> that's another toughie like i mean so first off and, and this was joe jay said it, regardless the, the the goal is to spread the ball around you know what i'm saying it's not like um 
I would be shocked if anyone is up around, you know, at 80, 90 receptions, because that's just not how um, Jay in particular would like to. You know, he, he wants to get um, all of those guys between Richardson and Quinn and Doxson and Reed. And let's not forget about Vernon Davis. And, you know, Terry McLaurin's going to get some playing time now. You know, that, that those are a lot of those are a lot of miles that got to eat. And so uh, even if Doxson, um, you know, plays better than we've seen, I still wonder what what what's the top line numbers he can put up just from an opportunity standpoint. And and maybe he, you know, finds a groove with whatever quarterback, um, whatever quarterback ends up winning the job. And, and, you know, guys, guys get comfortable with someone. And when when things aren't perfect, they're like, hey, at least I'm comfortable with so and so and I'll go to him. But I don't think it's going to be a situation where any of those guys just get, um, you know, that ridiculous work where you know you've got guys getting 80 to 100 catches i don't i don't see that kind of um i don't see that offense being run quite frankly and i don't see that guy emerging but remember yo we we, they paid what 40 million dollars for paul richardson this right. is the guy who needs the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's supposed to be your downfield threat. He's supposed to be your speedster. You know, you've you've got to give him an opportunity. You know, um, is Trey Quinn. You know, you you decided not to um, add any. I mean, you picked up, you drafted a couple guys, including McLaurin and um, and Harmon. But at the same time, you didn't go out and sign anybody to um, fill into that slot role. So you're confident in Trey Quinn, and I think I think everybody is. I mean, he showed he showed enough last year where you felt you. Know, he's got great hands, runs great routes, has a good attitude. Um, you know, shadowed Jamison trying to learn that position, but he's still in a second year. And what? Because of injuries, only played um, two games, I believe, a couple more than that. I forget what the exact number is. But you're hoping what you see on the practice field translates. And so it's it's going to be tough. I don't, I think even if Josh has a good year, um, I still don't see some kind of ridiculous numbers getting put up just because uh, that's just not how this offense works and quite frankly the offense is best when they're running the ball this team is a team that wants to run the ball and play good defense and so um none of those guys the ball is just not going to be in the air a ridiculous amount for somebody to put up um some kind of crazy numbers unless unless you know paul is catching things and and, and getting ridiculous amount of yak you know that turning turning shorter catches and then just running away from guys you know i guess i guess trey's a candidate for that too but i don't think he's got the top end speed to kind of just pull away from everybody he's more of a quicker shiftier guy kind of a guy so i mean it's that's just something that we'll have to see how that shakes out reed should be the focal point of the passing offense you know ideally so there's a there's a lot of things that could go a lot of different ways there and again i just don't see um anybody on this team you know being a 80 catch guy this year just because of the way the offense runs and and the fact that they want to run the ball. You you hear little inklings of, of, of rumors here and there about a possible trade for Muhammad Sanu who was with uh, Jay in Cincinnati. What do you think about it? Is it realistic, first of all? And then is it necessary? And is it a move that, that you would be okay in making at this point? I don't think Atlanta does it. 
Uh, not to interject, but I, I just think Atlanta <laughs> I mean, likes his uh, veteran presence down there. I don't know that they would do it. We'd have to give them a nice offer. Yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't know. If I think that's what it comes down to is what, what would yeah. the offer be? It's hard to say whether, you know, if, if it's I a sweet deal where you don't have to give up much, of course, yeah. um, kind of a thing. But is he that difference maker uh, that that's going to get this offense? He's your Garcon really turning type. It over I, I would love it. I would love it. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure if I think he's a difference maker. I think it's somebody that uh, Jay would be probably the most comfortable with, given the the ifs about a lot of the young players. The upside is there, but at the same time, there are a lot of question marks. And I think Jay's history with him would make him a lot more comfortable having Sanu in that room and also, you know, at his disposal between him and O'Connell. In utilizing Sanu. I mean, that's a quality receiver that could come in here and, and play immediately. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. But is he the type of difference maker that really transformed? You know, is is that's what this offense is is missing right now? Is right. Sanu? I don't think so. I think yeah. you, I think they're missing something. I think they need a, some, a little bit more explosion. If you're talking about, hey, that's what's missing is a number one receiver that can really um, that teams have to just you know you have to send an extra guy towards and and have to adjust your coverage towards because he's just so much of a mismatch and and is just such a threat i don't think sanu is quite that guy you know he's he he, he's a great number two um i'm not sure he's the type of difference maker that's going to make this offense all of a sudden just go oh okay here we go you know that's that's going to make this offense just um you know, explode in a way that we haven't seen um, recently. About a month, I guess, now before training camp. So these are the, (laughs) I guess, the dog days in more ways than one as we try to come up with storylines until those guys get out there and start practicing. We're hitting that home stretch. Um, I'm about to disappear in about a week after the 4th of July. I'm going to take a week off and try to enjoy that last, catch one more uh, break of fresh air before we get really uh, cruising. But um, yeah, no, I mean, this is, it's a fun time of year right now to to, you know kind of you know guess and wonder what's going to happen but um you know we won't really see until they eat so everybody's there and the pads are on and you know that that's the so much of the thing about mini camp uh mini camp and and um otas you know there's no pads there's no hitting i think it's hard to evaluate anybody that's not really a skill position kind of player and 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 not even the running backs also because you you don't exactly see it's not full speed um it's just it's tough to get a really good feel um of those other positions because you don't have the physicality of what happens on Sundays. Now, um, you know, you can see the receivers and who can catch the ball and you can see who's fast and those things. So it's a little bit easier to, to get a feel of those guys on the outside, but there's a lot of stuff going on, um, you know, near the line of scrimmage and in between the hashes that, that we just don't have a feel of for yet. So, um, I'm excited to see how that shakes out come July, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this last little break because because, you know, once we hit July 25th, it's nonstop till February. Well, we wish you a good rest, and I'll just speak for myself. I'll be glued to your coverage for sure and look forward to it. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. Well, we appreciate, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks for uh, no, joining no us, bro. Really appreciate it. Till the next time.
Must have. All, All right, right, take so it easy. So thanks to Kareem Copeland of the Washington Post. We're going to roll into you guys already have your fantasy stuff going on. I'm, I'm mock drafting, but Chris is much, much more. He's got his own rankings. So I, I don't have anything like that, but I really i am interested to see what you got, folks, that so I can. Well, I can yes, I put in the, the research because I'm trying to save my j- other job at SiriusXM. Uh, <laughs> full disclosure. So I got to get going with the research here. Um, Darius Geis, my RB31 coming into this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian Peterson will be my RB45, and Chris Thompson, my RB50. I kind of was thinking about it actually as we were all speaking here. And I'm like, when is the last time Chris Thompson played like three quarters of a season? He's RB, I really RB, have RB50 out of like all, the entire league. Yeah. Oh, but is this just the running back category? Just the running back category. Wait, wait, wait so you, who do you have ahead of? Oh, I, I Geis like that. Uh, I'll you, have got, to look. you mean as in but like I'm, as in the fifty? As in he's what? Would you have guys thirty one? So, so I have you 30 have other guys. thirty other guys in front of guys. Yes. I, I, w- I would really be interested to, to hear some of those names. Sure, Especially sure, in the, sure. in the 20s, at least in the 20s. So the reason why I basically am avoiding Geis is, A, I think that a guy coming off major injury like that, they're not going to immediately throw him into the proverbial fire. Mm-hmm. BAP still here. See, Chris Thompson still can get some work. Right. So I just don't think that they're going to ask Darius Geis to carry the ball 20 well, times no, it's, and it's, catch it's it. It's not really – I agree with you on, on, on that point. I'm just trying to think of 30 other guys because I put it, there are a lot of guys that I think I shy away from also who are kind of, there are a lot of committees that could pop up. Uh, there are a lot of, 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 there's not a lot of, out of outside of uh, your go-to guys, your sure fire guys, when you got Connor, McCaffrey, Chubb for at least eight games. Because you got Hunt coming in halfway through the season. He's got to serve his eight-game suspension. They've got to work him in somewhere. And then how does Duke Johnson figure into that? A lot of people have Marlon Mack high. Okay, but you got him. You also have Naeem Hines. I have no clue what's going on in Buffalo because you got a bunch of old guys up there. you got McCoy. you got Gore. Aaron Jones in, in Green Bay? Uh, okay. I'm not necessarily sold on that. I'm not sure what you're doing in Philly. Uh, Miles could be the guy. Uh, they said Adams could I be the guy. I think I have Miles Sanders somewhere right around where Darius Geis is. You're right. It's just, God, Philly's Ch- running Chicago, backs were so Chicago, you're talking about Montgomery. And then it, how does that figure with Cohen? You know, and, it, and also with Philly, you got Jordan Howard. How does that work? And it, of course, you know, the one that's always a conundrum every single year because of the amount of backs they have. And how Belichick is game to game, I think Damian Harris could be a huge steal, but I don't know who he's going to play. I would like to draft Sony Michelle. I could start him, and then Rex Burkhead. Rex has three touchdowns or two touchdowns, yeah. or James White runs for 150 yards. So in there, there's not a lot of surefire. David Johnson, a lot of people are taking Kamar, of course. Yeah. He's up there with McCaffrey and and, and those guys. But then you have David Johnson is also up high with Zeke and Barkley is the number one back. Period. Yes, that's he's he's number one. Zeke I think I think too. he's I I think Barkley is your number one pick overall because that whole offense has to go through him. So I think he's your number one pick overall. David Johnson, I don't know how he's going to be utilized this year. 
I have Mark Ingram, newly acquired from the Ravens, as RB24. So I've got him ahead of Geist. Would you agree with that? You'd rather have Ingram? No, I, I, I would take that. I would take that. I don't. I, I just wanted to see what you had in front of Geist. I don't have any problem where he's at or why you have him there. I just want to see what else was there because I have question marks on some other guys that you might have a little higher than that. Right. Well, it's uh, an opportunity. We're just kind of dipping our toe in the water here. Just a little teaser, folks. Just a little teaser. We're going to get deeper into this. And let's, it's, it's coming up just like training camp is coming up. You know, it's we, we're itching for football. It's, yeah. it's it's a very uh, not gonna lie to you folks. It's a, it's a slow sports week, <laughs> and we got to find something to dig into. And we can't wait for football to come around. We can't wait for uh, NBA free agency, which is coming up this Sunday at six o'clock. Yeah. Yep. So we should be jam packed full of NBA information and, and the trade rumors and transactions all next week. Yeah, but one uh, one or two minutes here as we wrap up, I'd like to hear what you think about Kevin Durant. He declines the thirty one and a half million dollar player option with the Warriors. That's, I think that's a given. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people were expecting it. Yeah, does no, he go to Brooklyn? Where does he go? He can go wherever he pleases. Uh, it 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 puts Golden State in the you're on the same playing field as everyone else now. Even they might be at a disadvantage because we're not sure how he's feeling about where he's placing the blame on why he was playing, who encouraged him to play. Uh, was it someone in his camp? Was it the organization? That's got to shake out and be clear before uh, Golden State can be on an even playing field with everybody else. Uh, the Nets will definitely make an offer. The Knicks will make an offer. Uh, anyone under the sun, I, I don't. I would be anybody outside of the Wizards, to me, couldn't make an offer at this point. I mean, even the Wizards could make an offer if they wanted to. Everyone is wants Kevin Durant, whether he's playing next year or not, to have him long term. That's what everyone wants. He's going to be the biggest free agent, even though you have all stars out there and available. He is the biggest star of all the other stars. So no matter who signs or who gets traded, whatever happens, he's going to be the one to set the tone. And really, it's 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 wide open. I really can't pin down anybody. The Nets make a lot of sense, but you got to see what his thinking is. Does he? Is it a package deal? Does he want to go with Kyrie? Does he want to be with uh, hook up with with Bookie Cousins again, or Jimmy Butler, or does he want to travel somewhere and say, Hey, Clay, let's both leave out of here? Because there are a lot of guys on the table that he might want to play with. That's how it is. It's it's a you know it, it's it's a tag team sort of situation. It's it's a it's a group situation. It's a package deal. That's what I'm looking for. It's a package deal right. these days. And who wants to play with who? Who wants to play where? And right now, he's holding all of the cards. It's not uh, these the franchises, the owners, or governors, uh, as they want to be, as Adam Silver said they want to be called. <laughs> we will get into that another time. But it, he is holding all of the cards to free agency, and he's the, he's the key to all of it. I guess the part that I find most astounding, and it's not an original thought from my brain, the man is hurt, and yet it, it means nothing. Difference. Does it, when you're at that stature, and we've we talked about this before, when you're Kevin Durant, any team, whether you're, you're a contender, whether you're in a rebuild, it doesn't make a difference. A talent like Kevin Durant, you will wait. You put it in the same situation. If LeBron was in that situation where he made the decision to go from Cleveland to Miami, 
He could have had a broken leg, torn AC. It wouldn't have made a difference. Unless the man was in a full body cast, and that might not, wouldn't that make a difference either? Because if you you can wait a year, if you're going to have four to five years, or maybe even six years of LeBron or Kevin Durant, you'll take you'll, you'll sit out one. If you if you know you're going to have him for at least another four or five years, you'll take that loss. That's fine. It's what it is, and at least I know I'll try to plan for him. I mean, even Dallas did it. They traded for Pazingas. He's hurt. He can't play. But Durant is far more of a talent than even Chris Dapp, So anybody would, would wait, whether he's hurt or not. For some players, you could say, okay, yeah, I, I, I don't see that. But for someone of that caliber, when you're talking uh, finals MVP and the type of guy that he is, the player that he is, anybody would wait. Have a great rest of the week, Jamal. Thanks. You do the same. Thank you, Dimitri. Thank you to Kareem Copeland of the Washington Post for helping us think about who might start for the Redskins come September. A lot to watch over the summer. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, PodcastOne.com, and WTOP's mobile app. Just tap listen. Follow us on Twitter at DMV Sports Round One. For Jamal and Chris, I'm Dimitri. And for Redskins fans, large and small, all around the world, May God help us.